1: Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for June twenty second, twenty twenty one. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling feed, or you can find us on our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing page, and you just click the red box that says sponsor this podcast, and you can set up a one-time or recurring donation. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Join alongside my friend and co-host, Case Lowe. And Case. we've had some weird weather in our both of our areas over the last week, haven't we?
0: It's twister season, Mike. It is, uh, it's been very hectic in Illinois these past few days, not necessarily in the city itself where I'm at, although I will say a few nights ago, right as I had fallen asleep, right after watching a thrilling Hawks 76ers game seven, where the better team, the Atlanta Hawks won that game. Right. As I fell asleep, I was awoken by a storm warning alert on my phone, I could not figure out what it was at first. I I don't know if this is canon on the show yet, but let me establish it here and now that I have a incredible fear of fire. I don't like fire at all. I don't like being around it. I don't even like fire pits that much because fire destroys everything. There's kind of no returning from that. And at first, when my phone went off, I thought it was the fire alarm. And I freaked out for a second, trying to figure out what the noise was and how I was going to get out of this building. Then I realized, oh, just my phone, never mind. Uh, and then that that night, the biggest tornado in 50 years, uh, unfortunately destroyed uh, an Illinois suburb, or at least you know a neighborhood in an Illinois suburb. Luckily, as of the time of recording, no fatalities, which is remarkable. I think one person was in critical condition. But yeah, it came out of nowhere because Illinois has been in a drought this year, hasn't really rained a ton. And then all of a sudden, we had really, really bad weather a few nights ago.
1: And, you know, the exact opposite for me. It's been pretty much one of the most damp years in South Carolina. And we got Claudette yesterday. And it was interesting. Of course, I have history dealing with tropical storms and and hurricanes. So it wasn't necessarily anything. Like, it wasn't too bad, to be honest. But it was more of like, okay, this is the first time that I'm dealing with this with a dog now. And I was like, how is he going to deal with, like, the storms? How is he going to deal with the wind? And... For the most part, it was like nothing much like usual. You're just going to have to exercise them inside rather than outside. But it just is one of those things I'm like, it's not even July and I'm already dealing with this. And for where I live, Case, you know where I live in South Carolina, it takes a lot of effort for any tropical uh, disturbance to even get to me. So Claudette had a wish to go visit me and it just kind of happened. It kind of happened. But we are not here to talk about weather, even though I was a weather kid, Case, growing up.
0: Uh, I I was not. I just I yeah, I don't I don't really understand it because it kind of falls into the science realm where my only response is, yeah, I'll take your word for it. Seems cool, I guess. I don't really understand that world. I I will say my house was struck by lightning as a kid. And that was really that was scary. Yeah, no, no fire. Believe it or not, I it knocked out like one of our electrical boxes or whatever. We had to kind of rework the way we had electricity in the house. But yeah, that was in the midst of a tornado warning. And our house got zapped and that that was pretty scary
1: i i i've never like growing up in the uh tornado belt like i like even before we went on air it's like case hey, go look at this photo of something of a tornado that hit my hometown before you were born and why i don't mess with tornadoes now but it's one of those things that like you net you're never like even growing up in texas you can like contextualize it and be like all right like these are things that happens but like as soon as you hear a siren just like oh okay and it's one of those things that like now with like super high powered Doppler I don't like being back in my day but like it was one of those things that it's insane now they're like oh yeah no this uh that this rotational cell is going through this neighborhood it'll be at this street at this time period And and like that just never was the case growing up and I find that kind of stuff cool like I I pay for a weather app on my phone case I am that kind you, of person. You,
0: you didn't need to tell me that for me to know that. Everything about your personality <laughs> says that you pay for a weather app, my experience. That's, it's, it's not a dig, not a dig, but certainly an observation. Certainly something that, again, I knew that before you told me that.
1: Hey, it's a great little app. It, it can log on to other people's publicly accessible private uh, weather stations. So I get one that's actually just right across the big street from me. Someone has weather tower in their backyard, and I piggyback off of it. So it's neat i like that kind of stuff but that's not what all we're here to talk about case it has been a quiet week in dragon gate so we're doing some stuff that's a little bit different we do have some topics that we're going to get to off the top we'll be talking about the mystery of kaido Ishida. we'll be talking about units historically in dragon gate and then we'll close out talking about what this kobe assemble hall show that like my birthday is next week case but i'm looking at this show and up and down this card it is Hey, Mike, happy early birthday. You're getting a three-way six-man tag in Kobe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that Kobe. Let's talk about that Kobe card real okay. quick. Uh, yeah,
1: let, let, let's knock it out because it's yeah, awesome.
0: Yeah, June 26th. This will air on the Gate Network. It is from Kobe Hall, the second show there this month. I'll run through the card real quick, Mike. You can sound off on your thoughts once I'm all the way through. We open with high-end Yamato and Kagatora. They're going to be wrestling Don Fuji and Punch Tamanaga. Match two, special singles match, special both in the context of this promotion and special in the place of our hearts, Masaki Mochizuki versus Funky Jackie Kamei. We get a Royal Sambo Battle Royal, notable participants there being KZ, UT, Konamama Ichikawa, and I would say uh, Inferno. I'll, I'll mark him as a notable entry there. Tag team match, Jason Lee and Kota Minora against Yasushi Kanda and Takashi Yoshida. Match 5, our semi-main event, it is a... Now, Mike, do you know how to pronounce this company's name that is sponsoring this eight-man tag match?
1: Yes, it is one of Yoshino's most famous sponsors. It is Tea Tree. They do customized shoes.
0: Uh, that makes sense. T-T-R-E makes sense that it's T-Tree. I wasn't confident of that, but it is the T-Tree Cup eight-man tag team match Speedstar final countdown in Kobe, Yoshino, Naruki Doi, Shun Skywalker, and Dragon Daya against the RED team of BB Hulk, Kai, SB Kento, and Hyo. And like Mike alluded to earlier, our main event three-way six-man tag team match with high ends Dragon Kid, Kaisuke Okuda, and K wrestling the Natural Vibes trio of Sasuma Yokosuka Genki Horiguchi, and King Shimizu and the R.E.D. trio of Eita, Kazuma Sakamoto, and Kaito Ishida.
1: Yeah, so just everything on this card, really, to me, is stuff that I'm incredibly fascinated in. I mean, Don Fuji versus Yamato and Kakatora. Like, Don Fuji and Yamato just have, like, this chemistry of, like, these two guys just, like, getting rowdy with each other. So that'll be something to watch out for in that first match. I mean, this might is what well, we call it special. It's the special Spears uh, singles match: Masaki Mochizuki versus Funky Jackie Kamei. I'm excited to see uh, young Turtle Coon have to sell his stomach when Masaki Mochizuki decides to punch it a lot. Interesting that you brought up Diet Inferno for that, because the person who kind of stood out to me in this was La Australia in the soundboat.
0: Oh yeah, I guess that's fair. I I, I feel like was he in the uh, the one earlier this month? I don't remember.
1: I I do have my notebook in front of me. I, since we didn't have any shows, I have not, I I didn't have it open, but I, I want to say that Estrella has been in these battle royals before, if not the one earlier this month, he was not in the one earlier this month, but yeah, that didn't
0: jump out to me. This seems like a place where, you know, look, quite honestly, I don't really want him in that speed Star match because I really like the tandem there of Skywalker and Daya and Menorah and Lee are busy on this show as they continue to establish a more permanent tag team. So, yeah, that's that's where he ends up there, and that is that is going to be very interesting. Again, he'll have Diamante in there. If I was a betting man, I would say if they don't make their entrance together, my guess is they are going to ex- spend an ex- extended amount of time with one another in the ring, Diamante and La Astrea, kind of doing what they do best, but if those two get separated, all of a sudden now you're dealing with La Astrea and perhaps Problem Dragon, perhaps Yosuke Maria, perhaps Sachi Hoko Boy, and I don't know what that is going to look like if that happens.
1: I, I mean, the real sickest choice is Super Shisa versus La Shreya.
0: I hope Super Shisa stretches him. I think that'd be tremendously entertaining.
1: Yeah, and then, like, as you said, uh, Mino Lee reuniting against Kanda and Yoshida... Uh, you know, the unaffiliated team is there. Kanda when he wants to work is great. And we've been charge by Yoshida's face turn is just one of those things that the nice thing about Yoshida's face turn is he was he with Masaki Mochizuki. <laughs> yeah, so
0: there's the difference there. We liked Yoshida's face turn because he was teaming with Masaki Mochizuki. Yasushi Kanda not exactly jumping off the page there. But I will say, boy, that's that seems like the uh, the start of a new unit forming either right before or right after Kobe. You throw Kanda Yoshida and like we've been saying, Mochi, Fuji, and maybe a fifth guy, maybe a sixth guy. And, and that feels like it's going to be a unit that fills out there.
1: And, and, and like this is what we always like. This This card is a perfect example of us saying four members in a unit is an issue. Five and six, that's where you could have the real fun here. Because you look at this card, and because of having all these people in the units, you're able to have Minolina tag match, La doing his thing, and then Shun and Dia in this a uh, speedstar final countdown match then you look at uh natural vibes you get to have the trio in the main event and then you can intersperse them throughout the card and it's just like one of those things that you look at this and you're like okay no this makes perfect sense why you would do this and then high end high end now you you have a tag team in the opener and then you get to have the main event there and it's just you need to have at least five people in a unit like that's when you're able to really kind of balance a card around that but yeah no speedstar eight man tag uh tea tree whatever, Final Countdown in Kobe. Do you think we get to see a new move bequest this weekend?
0: I, I think that's absolutely the direction they're going in. Now, your memory with this stuff is a little bit better than mine. Has Dragon Daya been gifted a move by Masato Yoshino
1: yet? He has not. Just so that everyone is keep the fresh in memory, Kamei got the Torbolino. UT got the Missile Senton, Jason Lee got the Sling Blade, and uh, Estrella got the Komori, the, his choke, so... There's still a lot of stuff left. There's, of course, Lightning Spiral. I mean, that's the big one. Uh both versions of the Soul Naciente, uh, another space. And I think those are like the the three really big moves he still has left outstanding.
0: This is a pretty abstract question. I don't I don't think there's an answer to this, but you would know better than me. Is there a specific move that you would attach to the Yoshino versus Dragon Kid feud that can then be
1: I guess, given to Dragon Daya? Well, uh, th- that's where you had a lot of work with the Bible. And okay. it was like yeah. there was that because then he would be able to do the From Jungle out of the Bible. So maybe he could get the From Jungle. Yeah, that'd be cool. I, I Like I said a few weeks ago, I really thought on this show...
0: We would get some sort of KZ and Doi interaction so Casey could pin him. We talked about when they ran Sambo earlier this month, Casey pinned Mochizuki, and I was thinking like, well, they're going to have him beat Mochizuki. They're going to have him beat Doi. Unfortunately, we can't get Paken for one of these shows, so we can kind of pin all of the guys that he's lost Dreamgate challenges to. Instead, you get KZ in the Battle Royal, which is odd, I guess I'm assuming He's going to clean house there. It would be great to see KZ get the Kane push in this Royal Sambo Battle Royal and just start eliminating everybody. <laughs> uh, hopefully the only thing KZ and Kane have in common, both in the ring and out of the ring. But I, I I would be interested to see what's going to happen there. But I don't mind doing and KZ being separated because I think Speed Speedstar match is really, really cool. And I look forward to watching that.
1: Yeah, and then the main event. It's a three-way six-man tag. What's there not to love about this? Like, with a, with a it, I
0: mean, that's an A-team for R.E.D. Ata, Ishida, Sakamoto. That's Yokosuka, Horiguchi, uh, Horiguchi, and Shimizu. And then Dragon Kid, Okuda, Benkei. There's no holes in, in that nine-man lineup. That is all home runs there.
1: Yeah, uh, and it's something that when I look at this match, uh, obviously the one title match that's not spoken for at Kobe World Pro Wrestling Festival is the Twin Gate. So just like looking at this, I mean, Ginky Sasumu getting a title shot maybe out of this? Genki,
0: Susumu, Susumu, Shimizu, Shimizu, Genki, uh, any of those combinations would not surprise me.
1: Yeah, because Benkei and Dragon Kid, that's just a little bit too abstract, and I feel like that Dragon Kid's going to be tied to Yoshino that weekend anyways. So th- th- that's at least my anticipation there. But great-looking card that's on the 26th on the Dragon Gate Network. It is a 6 p.m. Japanese local time uh, start, so check your local listings for that. And then case we were talking about this before we recorded that's not all they have this weekend they have two really fun looking hometown shows including a 25th anniversary and then also some nice appearances by people that are local to the regions and some and some many many promotions that frankly I did not hear of until I saw these cards.
0: Yeah, I'll let you run down the oddities here, but on the 27th, we have in Osaka, Izumu uh, City Plaza, the Gamma and Kness 25th anniversary show. Kness is a graduate of the War Dojo. Is that correct? Uh, I'm trying to look it up real quick. Uh he debuted, that's right. He debuted a Michinoku Pro, and I always forget about that. So I guess I would call him a Michi Pro graduate. And then Gamma, who, you know, started coming around about 15 years ago, he was a guy who, again, Michinoku Pro, and then bounced to Osaka, and then bounced to Dragon Gate. So 25th anniversary for two guys that are not homegrown students, but guys that have been integral parts of the promotion for, you know, extended periods of time. If you follow Kness on Twitter, which I would recommend just because you can obviously translate the tweets and he's pretty active. And Kness is just one of those guys that I'm just intrigued by him. He seems like he's a guy that's lived a pretty interesting life. And he's been tweeting very openly about how his body's in bad shape. He doesn't have a lot left of the tank and how this show is kind of a big deal for him. It's unfortunate it's not making tape because I would really like to see his featured match, match four here. Susumu and Kness, I guess SB Kento and Hyo, that sounds like it could be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, Nesca is one of the Hallmark tag teams, so it's nice to get that. And then, yeah, we get Hiroki Moria from Energize with exclamation point pro wrestling, and then Shoichi Uchida from Dove Pro making an appearance against Yamato and Keisuke Akuda in match three. That's, I I, I know that uh, Gamma for a while had an active hand in some of the micro indies in Osaka. I don't know if Energize is one of those, but. I wouldn't be surprised if that's really where the link is between these two guys in the show. I don't I don't follow Dove, so I can't tell you if Uchida is an Osaka based guy or not.
0: I've at least heard of Uchida. I don't I don't know if I could pick him out of a lineup, but I know I've seen him and I know I've at least heard his name before. I don't know anything about energized pro wrestling, and I feel like at the very least just to because i'm i'm friends with your perverted mind i hear a lot about secret base among other things i feel like i have a pretty good grasp of at least being able to identify sleazy japanese indies energized pro wrestling is one that was off the map for me this is new information
1: yeah so uchida guess who trained uchida
0: oh god i one of your indie faves oh shit okay uh uh billy kin kid habu Ah, ah! It was one or the other. It was one or the other, and I went Billy Kin Kid. Well, if that's the if Hubu trained him, then I would like to see him work.
1: So, so Moria is actually fifty two. So he's an he's an older wrestler. He has most of his stuff does not appear in cage match, but he is from Osaka. So I I have to imagine that he is a knucklehead with these guys going long back. Let me see if they're, if his earliest announced match. No, no, no. Uh, he must be working very low stuff. He he worked with Osaka Pro in its dying days. So, and he did Don uh Dotonbori, which, you know, the, was one of the successful promotions. Here's a match that that I saw on this New Year's shows for Dotonbori. Uh Joker, of uh Kazuaki Mihara, Kuga and Arachi versus Hiroy- Hiroki Mo- uh Moria, Naoki Tanazaki, Super Delphin, and Ultraman Robin. That's good shit. That's good shit. Oh, oh, here's another thing. He he appear. These two guys appear on Dragon Gate shows whenever they do these homecoming shows, these anniversary shows. So that that makes sense. That's oh, why. Bad
0: job out of me. Then I probably should have recognized these names a little bit more.
1: Hey, uh, the 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 the, the thing that I noticed was Aita and Yosuke San Maria defeating them in 2014 at the the Gate of Maximum 2014 Night Nine: The Road to Kobe World Gamma Second Home Triumphant Return. <laughs> <laughs> say that
0: (laughs) i'd like to see that on a t-shirt i would like to see the merch (laughs) for that show and i'm sure if you go to totucon gamma probably has a signed copy of that shirt available for you to buy
1: yeah no i mean that's a man that you know that as soon as like he's like okay this this gear i've wrestled in it at least a dozen times let's see what i can get for it
0: i love the hustle
1: yeah, yeah, and, and that's not the only homecoming show because we have we have Funky Jackie Kame's homecoming and and Totandori, which you know the the most. I mean, we get Kame in the main event with uh, Natural Lives, but further down the card, Inaba's Buffalo from Totori Darazu Wrestling, which is something that I have never heard of. And you would think that I've heard of Inaba Buffalo before, but I've not heard of their home promotion.
0: No, nor, nor had I. Again, familiar with the wrestler, but not the promotion there. So Dragon Gate really going off the map with who is getting involved uh, this oh, oh, weekend. That's Black, that's
1: Black Buffalo. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, that, that's that's fun stuff there. Again, I, I wish these shows were making tape just so we could see the odd names that are popping in.
1: Fuck, I didn't know that was Black Buffalo until I mm-hmm. looked it up, man. I... I- I miss Black Buffalo. I love Black Buffalo. He was nice my favorite little, Osaka nice little Pro worker,
0: guys. Yeah, nice little Osaka Pro hand. I, I, it's just one of those guys, it just in that Osaka Pro void where it just seemed like one day they were all gone. And it's, I think there's a real hole in Japanese wrestling where, you know, some sort of Osaka Pro uh, Michinoku type promotion, just a secondary juniors promotion behind Dragon Gate, I think would be such a welcome source of entertainment because even now, Like I'm more interested when Michinoku makes tape of they've been filming matches in their dojo for like a year now. And Mm -hmm. depending on who's there, I'll watch those. And I have far more interest in that than seeing uh, Sasuke and Shinazaki do whatever they did in Cork and Hall, which is no dig on them. They're obviously incredible, but I'm not watching Michinoku pro to watch a casket match. I would really just like to see a bunch of young, hungry six man tags and, other than Dragon Age, there's no, there's no place for that in Japanese wrestling right now, which is really just blowing my mind. Like I said a few weeks ago, I don't think there's ever been less depth in the juniors division throughout all of Japan.
1: Yeah, yeah. And Black Buffalo is one of those guys. Like he's from Tatori. So that's why he's on the show. But he's one of those guys that he disappeared. I mean, like with things, like he would go work your, your, your Dota Noiris and the various Osaka uh, Gamma promotions, but he kind of just kind of phased out. Like for a while, like he was going to get an All Japan run but didn't really pan out.
0: Mike, let's quickly talk about Kaito Ishida. This saga yeah. seems to be concluded, but I wanted to bring it up here. For those that maybe don't follow us on Twitter, at Open Voice for those that were a little in the dark this past week, a week ago, June 16th, I was uh, sitting in my apartment and I started seeing a flurry of tweets from various fan accounts of people that live in Japan that I follow. And these are... I've tried, I'm sure I'm way off base on, or at least I'm missing a bunch of guys that are on the radar, but I have tried to follow a bunch of, of hardcore Drangate fans just so I can get a feel for what they're into, people that are based in Japan. And I started seeing a flurry of tweets about Kaito Ishida and how it seemed like he was departing from the promotion, how uh, there were rumors about whether or not he was going to stay. There were rumors about whether or not he was going to go to, uh, well, I'm I, blanking on the name of the Ladette promotion. Uh, uh, great. Yes, that's right. Yes, it looks like Gleep, but it's great. Uh, there are a bunch of rumors there that that he could possibly be going there. I sent uh, Kaito Ishida's Instagram story, which kicked off all of this. I sent that to two different people that speak the language. Uh, and then I sent it to Mike and I was like, hey, this is something to look into. It seems like is hinting that he wants to leave the promotion or is leaving the promotion or has left the promotion, and we really weren't sure all the information that we had was that Ishida hadn't wrestled since June 3rd, which, in any other promotion, maybe not that big of a deal, but Mike, when a Dragon Gate wrestler misses a show, isn't that typically public knowledge as to, you know, it's it's a a leg injury, or they're taking time off, or, or, you know, at at this time, you know, contact tracing is always a possibility. It was a little weird that we hadn't heard anything, right?
1: Yeah, and th- there's two things about it that I just provide more context. Uh, Ashita's is not an active social media person. Like I follow him on uh, on various socials, and you know he, I think he has like a grand total of ten Instagram posts from like three years. Like he's just not like this. So the fact that out of nowhere he did it was kind of remarkable. And and like the context of it was like his his, his message was like it, you can't. I, I, KS, forgive me if if I'm butchering this. It was basically saying like you can't be like uh improving from below. I must do go my own way and do it from a pie. Was kind of like the with the, like that's not the exact translation, but that was like the gist that I kind of got from it. And it's something that within Dragon Gate, so within the promotion, and talking about how the roster works and how injuries work. Usually, if it's like an injury thing. It's announced way in advance. It's announced ahead of time, and if it's someone that's missing some shows, usually if you're at a certain level, like Gamma doesn't work all these shows, just because we've talked about Gamma, Gamma does not work all the shows. He mainly works things that are taped. Uh, Kanichiro Arai only shows up when it's Tokyo, so when they don't show up, that's nothing. Like we anticipate that, but for when a Twin Gate champion has disappeared for a month, that's and when someone that isn't. What's considered reasonably good health, I would say, like he had his neck injuries, but nothing really since then, like it it is notable. And we both did our work after doing this. Like it, I I think the thing that talking about the next step, it was very mixed messaging when we both reached out to our sources within the promotion.
0: Well, yeah, that's the point that I want to emphasize here, because. Uh, and this is, I as a weird bone to pick, it's not targeted at anyone specific, but I did see some chatter once it was confirmed that Ashita was staying with Drangate of uh, us getting worked or falling for a storyline, whatever it was. We reached out to two company sources immediately, one of whom was like, eh, this doesn't seem right, but I will ask. And one of whom was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And when there's that level of murkiness within Drangate, That is is cause for a story because, again, this is a well-oiled machine. This is pretty much a family operation. And the fact that we had any sort of like, well, it could be something was enough for us to go forward and and make that story public. with I I think the other thing being, and this is where maybe our stance differed from other people that started talking about the story, was we saw a lot of, you know, oh, is Ishida going to go to New Japan? Is he going to go to Noah? Is he going to go to All Japan? Look, I would love to see a shoot in New Japan. I think that'd be cool as shit. There's no logical pathway for him to get there. Uh, to our understanding, yeah. it's not like he and Shingo are boys. And also, that's just not how New Japan operates. You know, they could have raided Dragon Gate years ago if they wanted to. They haven't done that. I don't think he's going there. They have there. a
1: pretty good relationship about that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly.
0: Too. Exactly. Uh, all Japan would make no sense. Noah, he'd fit it. He'd fit like a glove in Noah. But I, I, I would fly to Japan and prevent him from going to Noah if that was suddenly a possibility he does not deserve to be in that juniors division uh the option there was that his best friend as far as we know still is Takahiro Yamamura who is involved with great you know shima's you know shima's bubble whatever it is and that seemed like a very logical jump for uh, for Ishida to make at least to us so yeah. we thought there was a little bit of smoke to the fire there
1: yeah and as well uh, it's worth noting that Dragon Gate and people in the Finley Dragon Gate roster have gotten particularly close to kickboxers over the last few years. Like we had the appearances that happened earlier this year when they weren't at Kobe Samba Hall. I'm blanking on the uh, other Kobe venue's name right now. But Great has a UWF division. Kaido Ishida is someone that is that is known to like have a predilection towards kickboxing. It would not make. It would not be unheard of in this promotion for someone to leave and go into that like it's been used as a cover story before but it wouldn't have been surprising to me if it t- ended up being that way and yeah and the yamamura relationship is like it's still like strong enough that when kaido shida won the brave gate title uh yamamura made a tweet it's like i can't really tweet him publicly but, but i want to let him know that i'm proud of him so like it's still a very strong relationship there and then yeah shima is a one uh, I think is the vice president of great.
0: Yeah. So that, like I said, most of that story broke on June 16th. And then we found out the next day from uh, a source of a source, basically someone who was deeply embedded in dragon gate, to say the least uh, that Ashita was staying. He was simply having a knee surgery and that he would be back on the Kobe Sambo hall show. That's exactly what happened. and, And we went forward as soon as we got that information again from a very, uh, yeah. very, very reliable source, I would say that Kaito Ishida would be staying in the promotion, so he's there. It's great. I won't pay uh, much attention to it going forward. I assume anything he posts on social media until he pops up elsewhere means that it's it's going to be a storyline that he's going to be staying in Dragon Gate. But yeah, I feel like it was at least worth clearing the air about.
1: Right. Yeah, and it, it's something that I will say I uh, defend our sources, our sourcing on that. Like in the moment. The the people that we've reached out to before we had the confirmation that he was returning are people that don't, they have no interest in working us. I would say or working the uh, Western or international fan base. So it no, wasn't I don't want to
0: post it because I don't. I, we don't do news with a Z here. Okay, you sat on the Dragon Gate Owe split. Until it was public, really. Yes, I mean, for two months. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I was like, ah, shit, this seems like it could be something and I don't really want to deal with it. Uh, But I'm, you know, he's staying. That's what matters. Uh, Is there anything else you have to add on Kaito Ishida before we talk about the best units of all time?
1: Yeah, so the only thing that I say is like knee, like just for like the, the thing that was described to us was very minor knee surgery, which to me. I have no understanding about his health records. I'm not a doctor, but as someone who's watched a whole lot of sports in my life, if you have a very short knee operation that you're back within a few weeks, it's usually your knee's been scoped. So that's why I'm wondering what it was. Yeah, No, I no am, confirmation, I, though. That's just speculation. Yeah, I was going to say, I,
0: I don't have any idea either. All we know is that we heard that he had a, a knee operation from someone within Drangate, and then that's what Dave uh, in The Observer mentioned as well this past week. So Keita Wachita's wrestling on the Kobe Samba Hall show. He's in an excellent, excellent-looking match, and I look forward to seeing that.
1: Absolutely. Support for Open the Voice is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's blow the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. 20% off plus free shipping with promo code OTVG at Manscaped. In case this perfect package 3.0 that they've Send us that now No, we've had it for a while we've got some time to really like put it through the paces and i have to say that the thing that gets to me about the perfect package and the and the lawnmower 3.0 is just like the fact that at a certain point it, it it's reliable you're able to like use it in the shower you're able to like have the flashlight and it's easy to clean and it's one of those things that you, you don't necessarily see with like products that are to be used for grooming you know like they're usually pretty like Okay, it works for a week and then it's done or you're using a razor blade and throw it away. This is something that's that's relatively reliable.
0: The LED light on the lawnmower is such a game changer. One of those that when I when I used it for the first time, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It makes the shave so much easier, so much smoother, so much better, so much more efficient. And I'm a man that craves efficiency in my life. My experience, I've been getting out of the town lately. I've been going out quite a bit. And the Perfect Package 3.0 not only has the lawnmower, like you mentioned, but I can't go anywhere now. I refuse to get the mail in my own apartment without first applying the Crop Preserver, the anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Look, I use deodorant on my armpits every day. How could I not use it on my the smelliest part of my body, my balls, because hey man, they did stink before I got this this crop preserver, but my man. Uh, things are going pretty well for me right now, and I have the boys at Manscaped to thank. That's why I would recommend getting the perfect package 3.0 kit, Manscaped.com, with your promo code O-T-V-G. When you're shaving your junk, I want you thinking of me, I want you thinking of Mike Spears, and I want you to have a good time this summer.
1: That's all right. So have a good time. Get twenty percent off plus free shipping with promo code OTVG at manscaped.com. That's twenty percent off plus free shipping at manscaped.com and use the promo code OTVG. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tool for the job with Manscaped. My confidence has been unlocked, Mike. I'm feeling real good right now. Case, I, I was going to say this during the read, but I'll let you know that in the Discord, there are a few things that are as popular as the case low dating update that you've been giving in these ad reads, and the fact that you're hot to trot and, you know, man of the town, you know, everyone appreciates these updates, you know, everyone's happy for you. And it's only through manscape that you, you've unlocked the right tools for the job.
0: Look, I don't totally understand what discord is still. I refuse to use that app i because it just i am at the as much communication as i can handle with the world right now i will say i loved the interaction on the at open the voice gate account last week at open voice gate on twitter because when we weren't talking about kaito ushida a pillar of the young core of drangate possibly leaving the promotion it was various people tweeting at us that they enjoyed my dating stories or tweeting at us their favorite Elliot smith album and i really liked the chaotic <laughs> mentions that we had going on last week it was it was a tremendous time. Uh, I, I will say I don't I don't know if I have any uh, grandiose updates for this week, other than the fact that uh, the the person that I've been seeing for the past two weeks, we're going to make it a third week. We're going to keep on going and we're going to see how it goes. And I'm a pretty happy camper right now.
1: That is your case low update brought to you by Manscaped.
0: <laughs> Mike, let's let's do something <laughs> That we've never really done this on the show. I was talking to you about this before it went on the air. I don't feel like I've ever seen anybody write about this. I don't feel like I've seen any grand discussions on this in the past. Of course, if anybody was gonna be if anybody was going to write about it, it would be you or I and we haven't done it. But we had a dead week here. No shows to review. We previewed the Kobe Samba Hall show coming up this weekend. We had some time, we thought, well, we could watch some Asadi Yoshino matches. We've been doing that; it's been a blast. We're going to make sure to do a few more of those before Kobe World. But I thought, you know what? Let's do something uh, not necessarily outside the box. It's not the most original idea, but it's an idea specifically to Dragon Gate that no one has touched. And Mike and I are going to run down what we think are the best ten units in Dragon Gate history. We have uh, we're, we're going to rank these by way of you know overall match quality, their aesthetic and their influence on the promotion. Or I guess if Mike wants to go crazy and say, you know, just to the rest of the wrestling world, but we're going to do this. This sounds like a fun idea. And I would love to know what your number 10 is.
1: All right. So the way that I've done this is that I do have my top 10. And then afterwards I'll bring down my almost, you know, my honorable mentions just missed the cut. My number 10, uh, as is traditional with these kind of things, you go for a vanity thing for number 10. And this is one that I really believe had such an important position in the promotion because because of this unit, one person really kind of found themselves and then became the wrestler that they are today. And that's Tozawa Juku.
0: Interesting. Not a unit that I ranked. Did not, not think even, so. Yeah, not even one that I particularly thought about. So uh, please, your your thoughts on Tozawa Juku.
1: So... Tozawa Juku, the, the the case for Tozawa Juku, and there's no case you could ever make for it to be above a vanity pick, to be clear. It's a unit that only really had tag team and triangle gate success, and most of that happened without their nominal leader, Akira Tozawa. Uh, the thing that got me was, and this is like just like an emotional, personal thing, Like when I really got into the, promo- the promotion, this was a unit that was drawn to me because it was very just out there and weird. So for those who don't know, Tozawa Juku was a unit formed by Akira Tozawa who refused joining Final M2K. He was presented a Sukian from his uh, se- his senior, Kenichi Rai and he said, no, I have my own plans. I must gain polish. And he created Tozawa Juku, which was a stable that was based off of the cram school that is very prevalent in East Asia. And... Everyone dressed up like they were a high schooler. They had people who had certain positions on it. There was one guy, Koji Shishido, who sadly retired, who was like well known as becoming like one of the most popular guys in the promotion. He was like the their solemn flag bearer. Uh there was Katsuo Yukiono as a part of it. Uh the the main workhorses of the unit, of course, were Knicho Rai and Taku Awasa. Uh Anthony W. Mori was a part of it at one time as well and was a triangle gate champion with them, I believe. No, it no it was. Shinobu, who is the Triangle Gate Champion, as an assistant. That's right, 666 is Shinobu. And then also known as the final unit in Dragon Gate for one El Generico. And they had a climax in one of the better Triangle Gate matches, I would say, of all time, them versus Zetsurans, where it was unit versus Triangle Gate match, where Kirtazawa lost all the weight from the the, the Metabolic Brothers because Shima liked hazing, and he was really focused on it. And he had like this great feud between Tazao Juku and Zetterans leading up to this, uh, big triangle gate match where like, he was able to pull back in Anthony W. Mori to team with him one time. Cause Anthony W. Mori is like, I don't need this anymore. I'm Anthony W. Mori. I'm the elegant Prince. There's no reason for me to be here. But, and it, it finalized at gate of destiny in 2008. And in this incredible match, one of the first true great matches in Kira Tazawa's career. And then, Afterwards, they did a full on graduation ceremony where Akira Tozawa is bawling in the ring. It's making everyone else cry because he kind of like took like the first step out of, you know, Akira Tozawa being perennially in the doghouse with this with this match and with this unit. And, you know, if it wasn't for this unit, he probably would have washed out. And I mean, there were other people in that unit that washed out pretty soon after as well.
0: Yeah, a career-saving unit, to say the least. I think that's a a very solid number 10 pick. Again, not one that I thought of, but once you lay out the reasoning behind it, given your attachment to Tozawa in particular, makes sense. Makes total sense. I was going to mention that El Generico was a member of the unit, had you not. That led me to El Generico's cage match, and that led me to something that I don't think I've ever seen before, which is El Generico's brief 2009. Dragon Gate Tour, and specifically October 10th, 2009. This is from Sambo Hall. BB Hulk, Yoshino, Doi, and Pac against Tozawa, Shingo, Yamato, and El Generico. Have you seen this match?
1: Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. It was clipped. Mostly clipped. But yeah, El Generico kind of went to Kamikaze. As the, the, there was a big thing back then, and it's something worth getting into now, because we'll have other units we talk about that have this. the The idea of an assistant, which was something that for Gaijin doing tours, and for uh, indie workers like shinobu so he was kind of an assistant for kamikaze very briefly there and it was just like that one tour and that was it for him because by that time afterwards he went over to ddt right
0: yeah yeah he worked eight matches on this tour and then did the european uh invasion tour with Gate as well so the the show in spain and then the show for wxw i guess with wxw in germany and then yeah from there he ends up in ddt in 2011 and begins that career there i that's i did not realize he worked a 2009 tour i would love to know i guess just that alternate timeline where generico works for drangate usa uh earlier than he did because he shows up in 2012 but by that point he's already in ddt there's no way of him doing japanese tours for drangate because he's you know a loyalist to ddt at that point point. But, I, God, I would have loved to see him on those first few Drangit USA shows, and I did not realize that he worked uh, in Drangit as late as he did. This is also the time I will mention what I think is one of the most important what-ifs in the last 15 years of wrestling history, the fact that Generico wanted to book the Young Bucks in DDT, but DDT only had money for one Jackson brother to fly over, and the wrestling world as we know it would look drastically different if the Young Bucks ended up in DDT, and I think about that, Mike, constantly
1: yeah and i mean we'll we'll talk about a unit at least on my list i think if they're on yours too that the young bucks were assistants for so it's very interesting the ways that the young bucks uh time in japan could have drastically changed and you know if they were able to get that second plane ticket who knows what the wrestling world would like that's like a real sliding doors moment like uh, of everything we talk about today that is like the truest sliding doors moment i can think of
0: oh god it's it's Yeah, it's a real it's something I really do think about a lot because it really it changes everything. And I would have, you know, look, I have my issues with DDT, but 2012 2013 DDT and 2012 2013 Young Bucks. I would have liked to have seen what that looked like. As for me, Mike, speaking of Akira Tozawa, my number 10 unit in the history of the dragon system, I'm awarding it to Monster Express. Is this a unit that you have in your top 10?
1: I have them at seven.
0: All righty, we'll hold off on our Monster Express discussion then.
1: All right, so then I guess moving up, my number nine, and I, I had these two linked as this, but I'm putting this one at nine and the other one at eight is Junction 3.
0: Junction 3 just missed the cut for me just outside of my top ten, so once again, you have the floor to talk about Junction 3.
1: I mean, you can't talk about this, like, unit without, like, also talking about Blood Warriors, but I'm just going to focus on Junction 3. Uh, Just, like... When they executed the Junction Three versus Blood Warriors year-long feud, the way that they kind of filled out the sides and the and the, the chemistry that kind of developed between members of that unit is just so special. I mean, that's how Yokosuka and Chome came about. The original Jimmy's tag team of Kakatora and Susumu came out through this, and then you had like this was like a big moment for like both Pack and Rich Swan stepping forward as well. It was a very interesting unit because very visibly both Yamato and uh, Masato Yoshino they were a part of Junction 3 and they were like m- important members of it but they definitely were not they, they, they were kind of backburnered at this time and and I mean the biggest thing about Junction 3 is the fact that it was one of Masaki Mochizuki's Dreamgate Tile Reigns one of the best Tile Reigns of all time and it's one of those things that I feel like whenever they've tried to do like these huge wars it will always be compared to Junction 3 and Blood Wars, just because like this wasn't a thing where in retrospect we could look at 2019 and then or sorry 2020 and we could look at it in a way that it's like it was a three-way war but it kind of was all about red in a way this one like both sides were very equitable they both like went back and forth i mean like gamma felt like switched sides like three times during this unit as did cyber kong and just was like that's not had a great theme song had a uh, had a lot of people wearing green tights and you know it's funny thinking about Shingo Takagi wearing the, like, the green trim on his his singlet back then and you know it just was like a strong face unit and it's one of the ones that as I said whenever we're going to be comparing Blood Warrior or future like All Out Wars it's going to be compared to Blood Warriors and Junction 3 because of how successful that was as a feud. I think that's a a tremendous point.
0: When I think Junction 3, I think about the Mochizuki Dreamgate run, which might be the best Dreamgate run in the history of the promotion. I think about Pac and Dragon Kid, their work both in Dragon Gate and in Dragon Gate USA. Susumi Yokosuka had a great year that year. Like you mentioned, Rich Swan was a ton of fun. Shingo, once he got healthy because he missed the first, you know, part of that year, I guess really sort of the tail end of Kamikaze and then was back and healthy by the time Junction 3 formed, but didn't didn't seem like he was at 100% for most of that year when he wasn't wrestling Tozawa, but what Shingo did was a ton of fun, and then you hit the nail on the head. This is something that we talked about in the Drangate USA Rewind and Rewatch series, where Yoshino and Yamato, who at this point both are former Dreamgate champions, both are guys that are looked at in the upper echelon of people within the promotion, I don't have... You know, that one Masato Yoshino Junction 3 match that I love, the one moment that Yamato has is the cage match from that year, which I think is one of the two or three best cage matches they've ever done. And of course, he ends up getting his head shaved, which leads to an awkward year and a half for Yamato, where you realize, oh my god, this man's charisma comes from his hair. (laughs) <laughs> Which is a problem that I, I, I don't know of any other wrestler that's ever battled that to such an extreme degree. But yeah, a fascinating unit and one that would certainly be in my top 15, but just to not make my top 10.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting, you, you we're talking about Yamada here. He was backburnered as Open the Freedom Gate champion. They had him get his head shaved <laughs> as Open the Freedom Gate champion.
0: Oh, Drangit USA. I'm so happy we aren't watching a Drangit USA show every single week uh, anymore. <laughs> Just good for my mental health. Uh,
1: Th- those hours in our life collectively are, are all back. Yeah.
0: Which at first it would be like, oh, it's two hours plus, you know, I'll do an it's hour, not. hour and a half of notes. And then by the end, it's like, OK, this is a three and a half hour show and it's going to take me two hours to do notes because I have to get all of these cancellations and and plane issues and visa issues taken care of as well. Glad we did it. Love the series even more happy that it's over uh i will say i mean I, i'm so happy that we at least are going to have some differences i was kind of afraid we were going to list the same 10 units that it was going to make for a very boring audio but we've already got two differences i'm curious if you have number nine on my list we just talked about masaki mochizuki well this is the unit that made him number nine on my list is m2k
1: uh I have M2K very high up on my list.
0: All righty. So, I, I thought you might. So, so once again, I'm going to pass the <laughs> baton on to you. You're number
1: eight. All right. Uh, Blood Warriors. Like, I, I originally had them tied as eight because you can't really consider one above the other. But I think I put, I gave Blood Warriors the edge because I had a better theme song, frankly. Dress for <laughs> Excellence Pyramid is still one of the best unit themes they've ever had in this promotion. And yeah, I mean, this is, and also I'll say like this unit gets a little bit more of an edge because it, I talked about Kiritozawa just briefly there, this was the unit that propelled Akira Tozawa coming back from America. This this was the unit that had BB Hulk's big heel turn, which, I mean, that still is like one of those things that whenever, like if there's something, I'm like, I want to watch some Dragon Gate. There's nothing new for me to watch. Watching the angle and the match that came out of like the formation of Junction 3, the turn, the BB uh, Hulk turn, and then that match that happened after as Shingo Takagi's bleeding profusely in the ring is amazing uh you also had spike mohicans one of the best tag teams of all time in dragon gate there and also i mean this is unit propelled ricochet like say what ricochet is in 2020 2021 like put that all aside there's no way that ricochet is in wwe without blood warriors there's no way that he that he even like the sniffs anything other than you know doing indie stuff and being like the guy who has like the sick double moonsault if it wasn't for the fact that shima saw a video of him and was like i want to see him at dragon gate usa he saw him at dragon gate usa booked him on a flight immediately and the rest of the unit i mean great color scheme i mean launched t-hawk launched a lot of people in this and i think that's why it nominally gets my edge here
0: well it's interesting you said you can't separate junction 3 and blood warriors i did not have that issue like i said junction 3 not in my top 10 blood warriors Finished very well for me. So we'll circle back to that conversation Sorry, as well. I no, 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 please. That was that was tremendous. That was uh exactly what you should have done there, Mike. Uh, I believe this puts us at my number eight. Is that correct? Yes. My number eight. And it's a unit that I quite frankly, it wouldn't shock me if it's your number one. Don't tell me if it is. I'm assuming you have them higher, though. We are talking about the unit of Mad Blanky.
1: Yes, I have them higher.
0: <laughs> All righty. All right. That's good. <laughs> that's, that's
1: good to know. We're going to get into some interesting conversations later on. Uh, but, so I guess it's back to me. Number seven, Monster Express, in case I know you had you had them on your list. So take it away here.
0: Yeah, I have Monster Express at number 10. This is a unit that was strangely comforting, albeit unspectacular at times. I think the idea of Monster Express was perhaps more entertaining than the execution Of Monster Express, because once you get into 2016 and their final months as a unit where you had T-Hawk and you had Shimizu, which was a tag team that I liked, but it was a long ways away from the core of Akira Tozawa, Shingo Takagi, Masao Yoshino, and I think Ricochet and Uha Nation really rounded that unit into form. But when you think about Monster Express, I know exactly what the gear was. I know what their keynote colors were. The aesthetic wasn't necessarily over the top, but having things like Akira Tozawa being the stamina monster, Masato Yoshino being the speed star, and even the best friends trio of Ricochet, Uha, and Tozawa, something that still lingers on to this day in some far off adjacent WWE canon, I think that's very relevant this is a unit that had multiple Dreamgate champions, both Yoshino and Ricochet, who, oddly enough, won the belt from Yoshino. And, you know, match quality through the roof around this time period. We talked with Rich Krej a few weeks ago about the Amigos tag, Yoshino and Sachi Hoko Boy versus the Jimmys. This is the best run of Tozawa's career, in my opinion, the KZ Bravegate match all of the stuff he did with Ata and King of Gate in 2016, the Tozawa and Shingo versus T-Hawk and Ata tag feud, which is one of those things, I think, just because of how hard that era of Dragon Gate has become to find and watch in any sort of accessible way, that is a feud that really gets lost due to time and just the lack of archives. But that stuff was so excellent. We had a three-month stretch there where T-Hawk and Ata. Who, you know, at times had credibility issues, both as a tag team and as singles wrestlers, where T-Hawk and Ata came across as stone-cold killers. They were submitting Tozawa in particular left and right, and because of that, I think we ended up with, you know, at Kobe World 2014, one of the great Twin Gate matches of all time, T-Hawk and Ata versus Tozawa and Shingo. You could, you know, run through... A Monster Express compilation DVD, and you could throw all your four star matches, all your four and a quarter star matches, and it would be an insane DVD. And then you think, oh my God, we still have all this high end stuff that Yoshino did, and that Ricochet did, and that Shingo did, and that Tozawa did. So it's really an impressive unit full of great memories, memorable moments, great matches.
1: Yeah. And I guess the only thing I would add is the way that I kind of did my list, because I like doing like tiers and like doing like lines in my lists. There's a line that I have basically between 5 and 6 that everything above 5, at 1 through 5, are just units that I feel like had no real weaknesses. Whereas, like, Monster Express ended with the heel turn of Shingo Takagi, he didn't have, like, the zombie reign. Like, remember, remember, like, that really awkward Triangle Gate reign that was Yoshino, T-Hawk, and tozawa that like they never defended the belts but they were still Triangle with gay champions I, I
0: have it in my notes a legendarily solid triangle gate team with yoshido Tiak, and tozawa to this day it's the second longest triangle gate run in history they held the belts for almost a year and they have like five defenses it was right they, they went i think from I, I don't think they defended the belts if i have this right I think they defended them in March of 2016, and then didn't defend them until World of 2016. There was like a four month gap where all of a sudden the Triangle Gate belts were just irrelevant in this promotion.
1: Yeah, and it's something that like that kind of was the first real step back for the Triangle Gate division. I would say, in a way, that like because like you have two of the big six as your team as your team band team, they should be kind of predominant, like, and the belt should matter a whole lot. Was not necessarily the case with this because it really felt like that they were, it was a zombie team i mean the unit was a zombie unit i mean that tozawa was leaving and they did not yet like kill off the unit but everyone knew that mad that that monster express was going to end and they added in peter casa peter casa got injured so peter casa joined the unit but never really wrestled matches as a part of monster express towards the end and then they kind of ingloriously got uh, ended before Tozawa's farewell at Gate Destiny 2016.
0: Yeah, but still, top 10 for me, my number 10, and your number seven, just a unit that I I think the world of, and that there are, there are days where I greatly miss their presence on these shows.
1: Absolutely. So it's time for your number seven.
0: My number seven. One, again, I'm not sure if you have these guys in your top 10. I'm sure it's a unit that you respect, that you admire, but I'm not sure if it was top 10 worthy for you. For me, it is my number seven. And it is The Italian Connection.
1: So, Case, they are my number six, so let's just talk about it here.
0: Wow, all right. Did not know if you were going to be as high on The Italian Connection as me. Uh, I'll say some brief thoughts here before I pass it on to you. To me, The Italian Connection is the full embodiment of the dragon system. It's young, hot men doing tricked-out moves, with a, a totally different feel, aura, and vibe than anything else that was going on in wrestling at the time or still. Nothing has felt like them before, during, or after.
1: Case Lowe has called uh, GM Yagi a hottie. I'm going to write this down in the notes. It's, it's, it's official. It's on tape.
0: I don't mind a bald man. I'm not saying Yagi could get it, but if, you know, if he was charming, you know, crazy things have happened. Uh, yeah. He no, seems... that, uh, honestly, he seems like a delightful man. I'm sure I, I, I would love to know uh, what, what Yagi's like in social scenes. Is this man married? We don't know. I I would like to have that information.
1: Yeah. Like the, the reason why I had it so high is because like as you said, like this is, this encapsulates the dragon system. You can't talk about the Torimont 2000 project without like, Tari and projects is the story of the members of the Italian connection, really. I mean, you have the idea that milano collection a t and it's something that with how there's more interest in, to Japanese wrestling, which is awesome. I just it, it's just hard to impart like how special Milano was, and he was at the forefront here, Masato Yoshino, who was like this was like the shadow leader of the unit because he was more protected like as sexy Tarzan i really enjoyed brother yashini What like it's one of those things that he at that time which is like so different and then i mean it launched like kandati uh which is a kandati suji who is suji kondo with it it's just one of those things like it's a sad thing that the way it tailed off end. that's why i that's why it's six and not top five for me because of how it was and it's like pretty much into uh dragon gate when it was just uh, milano uh, yoshino and anthony w mori but like th- you can't tell the story of Torimon 2000 project without talking about the italian connection
0: so it's interesting that you say they kind of tailored off towards the end and i think just in terms of the strength of that initial unit compared to how it ended losing shuji kondo losing brother yashi to agon isu the heel unit at the time i think that's a fair assessment the thing that i find to be so beautiful about the italian connection is they were obviously the highlight of t2p i mean the story of t2p is milano collection at is the italian connection is their match with crazy max at the 2002 absolute Demente show that is t2p in 2003 when they're fully integrated into drangate I really feel like that is a year where Milano shines and Yoshino shines. Yoshino having the big matches with Kness that year, uh, one of his best matches ever at Kobe World 2003 against Kness. But 2003 is a time where you have these incredibly high-end matches, whether it's the four-team, 12-man tag at the August 30th, 2003 Cork and Hall Show. You obviously have El Numero Uno that was a big hit that year. But 2003 is not a consistent year for the promotion. It's a year largely dominated by magnum tokyo bullshit and a year where ultimo was very clearly present in a lot of what was going on and a lot of my fears and reservations about ultimo returning to the company in 2019 were a direct result of what we saw in 2003 this time that was sort of known as the social dance era where there was such a greater emphasis put on storylines and on wacky gimmicks compared to in-ring matches Obviously, Milano Collection AT, a fake Italian supermodel. It is an outlandish gimmick, but I thought through that period of the promotion, the Italian connection was so strong, and they once again put Torimon on their back. Right after putting T2P on their back, they put Torimon on their back and led them through that very challenging year. And then if you look at the first five or six months of Drangate, really until Milano leaves, and this is at this point the dying days, this is Milano, Mori, and Yoshino pretty much. I think they're the highlight of early Drangate shows because it's. I I don't know how you feel, Mike. It does the latter half of 2004. Those first four months of Drangate. Do you have any fond memories of like good shit that happened during that time period?
1: No, because there were there was a lot of issues and they're working them their way out in a way. Very like, much so. It 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 was to the. Like, I feel like in ideal circumstances, Dragon Gate would have launched in 2005. They would have taken the six months off, and they would have launched starting the new year, kind of doing, like, how the Tori Landing was in January of, of 1999, you know? But uh, uh, it, it's interesting because, like, it's hard to impart, like, how important Italian Connection is when you talk about, like, the core fabric of the Dragon System. I mean, if I'm right, and I'm pulling this up right now, so... Okay, so if you remember the software, you could correct me. I believe they are the first ever Tron Gate champions.
0: So, so this is what I was going to mention was the only real highlight of that era of the promotion. Again, your August of two thousand four through December of two thousand four, because things drastically changed what we hit once we hit the first month of two thousand five. And trust me, we will be talking about that, but. The one thing that Gate really had going for them at the time was the uh, Rey De Parajas Triangle Gate Tournament, which ended up crowning the first champions, which were the Italian Connection, like you said, Mori, Milano, and Yoshino. And what we have on tape from those guys at that point was just a super fun run. They win the belts in November. They defend them uh, in a great pay-per-view match uh, against Agon Isu, Kondo, Sugawara, and Yashi at the end of 2004 and then they make a defense in early 2005. I don't think that made tape. That doesn't sound familiar. Caness, no. Doy and Susumu. Yeah, I have not. That, that, sounds, that sounds excellent, but I have not seen that. Uh, but they really carry what the early, early infant stages of Gate on their back. So you have three distinct eras where you can directly point to Italian Connection being the best thing in the promotion. And I think that's very noteworthy.
1: Absolutely. So that was my number six. That was your number seven. So what was your number six?
0: My number six, and this is where we get to the the interesting point. This is a unit that I thought maybe you would have for sure. But now I'm starting to doubt myself. The Jimmy's are my number six unit. Is this a unit that you had in your top ten? Yes. Wow. OK, we've, well, now we've not now gotten I'm to them yet. Very curious to see where we differ here. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm fascinated to see where this goes. Mike Spears, you have the floor for your
1: number five. My number five, and what I think is the best heal unit of the Dragon Gate era, is Mad Blanky.
0: Let's talk about Mad Blanky for me. Like I said, they finished at number eight for me. I would like to hear your thoughts first, because you're a little higher on them than me, and then I can sort of detract from there.
1: I think that it took a while for Mad Blanky to really get going. I mean, sadly, the Akira Tezawa era of Mad Blanky never took off. It wasn't... But the thing is interesting is, like, It's such a short time period when you think about Mad Blanky and how long Mad Blanky lasted afterwards after he got expelled and Yamato and Naruki Doi took over. And it just is everything that we'll we'll get into other. There is one. Well, there's two other heel units on my list, but they're Toribon era. But you, you look at this, you look at like prime Mad Blanky. You look at like what they did and you look at like Yamato. He ascended. He completely revitalized his career with this rookie toy by the end of mad Blanky, was the mo was one of the most popular people in the promotion as a heel and you had just solid stuff up there cyber kong before he got on massive was easily the most palatable cyber kong in at least five years at that point and just had a, a lot of really strong uh unit disbands matches with mad Blanky, ultimately ending with their own disbandment against jimmy's
0: so my knock on mad Blanky is kind of what you alluded to I would go as far to say I'm just not a fan of the Akira Tozawa-led version of this unit, which... There's no disrespect to Tozawa. He did his part, although I will say, I think in terms of the big matches he had in his career, the two Shima matches, one at, at World 2012, one at Dead or Alive 2013, I think those are two of the weaker, big Tozawa singles matches that there have been. Those two just, you know, uh, for reasons we've talked about on the show, never exactly had perfect chemistry with one another. But 2012, you also have the Cyber Kong versus Shima match that goes under the Mad Blanky Watch, we talked about this on one of the Drag at USA episodes when we were we were covering what was going on in Japan. Once you hit the late summer and early fall of 2012, it is peak Mondai Ryu being a thing, where this man is just all over these cards in prominent positions, and it is a little off-putting. It, it's, it's a little bizarre to think about uh, just how weird... That unit was really until Tozawa got kicked out and Yamato gets put in the unit. Now, once Yamato gets put in, uh, boy, did they ever hit the ground running. I mean, that was just the perfect vibe. Yamato, Doi at one point, Hulk at one point, Cyber Kong throughout the entire thing. And Kong has ups and downs in that unit, but his ups are noticeably high. Uh, They have to be a top 10 unit for me. Plus you have, and this is something that I, I, I don't know if you mentioned around, if you did, I apologize. But towards the dying days... Of Matt Blanky, the stuff that I love: Shima, Gamma, Fuji joining it by way of Doi Darts. That was such a fun little wrinkle as we hit year three of Matt Blanky's existence.
1: Yeah, that's the thing that perfectly was encapsulated by, "Oh, it's a Punchu Minaga and his crazy uncle."
0: yeah no it was it was absolutely that's right the punch push oh my god i forgot about punch when punch debuted and that he beat shima in a singles match and that lives in history that punch tabernacle beat shima not clean but with less interference than you would think that is insane to think about and then like you mentioned they were involved in a handful of unit disbands matches that were all tremendous i just recently rewatched that jimmy's mad blankie millennials three-way unit disbands match where the millennials oh, it's lose great. oh my god that match is nuts that is a, a match that really got lost uh, uh just to time and also the mad blankie jimmy's match that i think was like a month later where the jimmy's were disbanded or i'm sorry where mad blankie was disbanded There it- was just a lot going on in the promotion at that point and that's a match that really has not Uh, a traveled well. That's a match that was really hard for me to find. Uh, I finally found it online somewhere, and I don't even remember where it was now, but I I saw that. I was like, oh my God, I have to go watch that because I haven't seen that since it happened. And it is oh my god it's so good i i the millennials i will tell you now not in my top 10 they were they would be an honorable mention though uh and and like you said you know their final night as a unit the disbands match with Kness turning on mad blankie and then joining the jimmies what a perfect way for them to go out what a satisfying conclusion to one of the best units of all time
1: yeah like the zombie veterans were so much fun gosh like especially because you had Osaka Zenroka at that time, Kness, who was like doing bodybuildings who was in insane shape, and that was like the last big Kness around going into jimmy kness j k s. And it just was like a it was a blast, and it's one of those heel units that I feel like because I feel like, I feel like the, that there are a couple of units that we kind of defer on. I think that Matt Blanky, at least for everything post two thousand and four, is the measuring block for all the heel units.
0: I think that's a very well. I don't know. I've got some heal units coming up on my list. I was going to say this is a very fair assessment, but I'm going to pull back on that.
1: So we just did uh, Matt Blanky was your number six, right?
0: Matt Blanky was my number eight. My number six was the Jimmies.
1: Okay, so number five was my Matt Blanky. So number five for you is the
0: Blood Warriors, which we talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, The only thing I will add on the Blood Warriors is is one. They have a super memorable debut and a super memorable conclusion, because we'll just count uh the the February match where Junction Three is disbanded. We'll also count that as the Blood Warriors disbandment. I would rather not think about Shima, Taka Takamichinoku, and Shenshiro Takagi defeating Tozawa Hulk and Cybercog in what was kind of the first Mad Blanky slash last Blood Warriors match. I just like to pretend that show never happened. Uh, So we'll count that as uh, a life of January 2011 through February of 2012. I think a lot of people would point to Final Gate 2011, where Blood Warriors ends the year with all the titles, Shima winning the Dream Gate, Tozawa and Hulk winning the Twin Gate, Ricochet having the Brave Gate belt, and KZ, Tanazaki, and Doi holding the Triangle Gate belts. I think most people would point to that as their peak. But even though it was uh, often met with failure, I look at Kobe World 2011 with Hulk, BB Hulk in the main event challenging Mochizuki, Shima and Ricochet versus and Dragon Kid for the Twin Gate Belts, where Shima and Ricochet win in what I think is one of the best tag team matches of all time. You had Tozawa beating Shingo, And then you had that really fun uh, Yoshihiro Takayama match where, again, Blood Warriors lost that match. But I I think Kobe World 2011 really encapsulates what this unit was and shows a lot of different guys at the height of their powers during this run. So you not only have this unit that, again, you know, your memorable matches, uh, a crazy debut, a fitting conclusion. You also have a few different shows, entire shows that really put this unit in a good light and i i think that's a very interesting thing that they have going for them so they were my number five
1: yeah the 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 only other thing i'll like add is like not only did they have like the debut they also had the turn where all the all the metal warriors were unmasked and then it was shima as the golden warrior and everyone doing like the giant human pit pyramid and it would, and had brody lee in there for that like it's just one of those things that like this feud like I can't it, it's going to be a while before it's up on the network, but as soon as it's like up on the network in full, I'm going to like six years from now just sit down and rewatch all of it again, because it's it, it holds up. It holds up and Blood Warriors definitely deserves that recognition.
0: Yeah, no, just, uh, I, you know, I I think most American fans at this point really look back with fond memories of obviously what was going on 2014, 2015, 2016, but your your older fans out there i i still think they point to 2011 as like damn we really had it good then and it's hard to believe mike it's been 10 years since blood warriors versus junction 3 that just doesn't it it doesn't seem possible given the fact that masaki mochizuki is still wrestling at the level he is
1: (laughs) you know it's just i think he's gonna wrestle you know until the heat death of the universe at this point you know like it's just no one's gonna stop masaki mochizuki you know until he decides he's done you know yeah, only Masaki Mochizuki will stop Masaki Mochizuki. Exactly, exactly. So it's back to me, and now we are in the top four. And my, top f- my fourth one, it's the one that started at All Case It is Crazy Max, the first unit in the Dragon System formed in 1997. So right as they were doing shows in Michinoku Pro, and they were already teaming before that in Mexico. And did you have Crazy Max on your list? I have Crazy Max just a tad
0: bit higher.
1: Okay. So we'll talk talk about that in a minute. Okay. Sounds good. So you're number four.
0: My number four, uh, when I made my initial list, I will admit this was a unit that did not finish in my top ten. And then I thought about it, and I said, well, no, they're more like a nine or a ten. And then I looked at who was ahead of them, and I thought, no, they're better than all of these units, and they bounced all the way to fourth place and that is the original incarnation of World One.
1: All right. So your timing with this is great. World One's my number three unit. So let's roll it in together. Let's talk some world one.
0: Ah man, I have okay, now I have no idea who you did not rank. That is fascinating. Uh, <laughs> look, world one to me, best pure babyface unit drink it's ever had. When I think about the peak of B.B. Hulk's career, when I think about the peak of speed muscle, Doi and Yoshino as a team. I think about World 1. I think about the foundation starts that MC, KZ, Kotoka, and Pac had on this unit. I, there's something so comforting. And again, I, I've talked at length about how much I love the current house style. I love all these young guys on the roster. But there's something about being able to turn on a Dragon Gate show from 2008, 2009, parts of 2010, and being able to watch a World 1 six-man. And I just think, my God. God, I am in love with this unit. This is everything that I want out of pro wrestling.
1: Yeah, and like we we've talked about this recently with like Rich. Like this is like a unit that for a certain time frame like we talked about 2011, but if you were people who were like following like fresh off of Ring of Honor like going into Dragon Gate USA, World 1 was the Superface unit and it really was and I still think to this day the best Superface unit that Dragon Gate ever had. And you, like, you look at people that were members of World 1, and it's just like, you have Doi Yoshi, of course, up top. But then you have BB Hulk and their formation and all there. Naoki Tanizaki coming back into the fold. And you look at the people whose careers arguably were launched by this. MC better known as KZ, Pac, Katoka. And then you have Neska joining towards the end. And then you also have Homicide, who was a member of World 1.
0: Damn, BB 2 at the Homicide thing. Also... Naoki Tanazaki, who arguably had his best singles match at this point against Kagatora, and at that point Naoki Tanazaki was world one affiliated. There's just something about this time period where again, I feel like and I think the same could be said with a lot of what was going on with Team Dragon Gate and Team Torimon last year where you could just turn on any show. And go well. The here, you know, here's a three and a half star multi man match. Here's a three and three quarter star multi man match. And your main event tops out around four stars. And I really feel like for the three or four years that we had World One in existence, you could put on any random multi man tag, and go boom. Here we go. This is immediately entertaining. I love all these guys involved. And that's not to mention the fact that BB Hulk, you know, was in the the thick of it with Shingo Takagi at this time period. And this was a time where Hulk was representing World One. And that's the most memorable thing he's done in his entire career,
1: right? Yeah. And you have like BB Hulk, first Freedom Gate champion. You have the incredible Brave Gate runs that both Naoki Tanizaki and Pac had. Only one Twin Gate run for Speed Muscle there, but it's just one of those things. You know, you look at it like up and down, and it's just one of those like, it's just one of those units that like w- like when you get to the top three for me, like the this is Dragon System, and I feel like that it starts with. Like if you want to like get start talking about like important units in dragon system and we get my top three, here's your superface unit. It is world one.
0: And you know, we joked about homicide earlier because who could forget that homicide run in dragon Gate USA? But a unit that was really, really, really solid in dragon Gate USA, you obviously have the Speed Muscle versus Shingo and Dragon Kid match from the third show. And then you've got that Yoshino-Pac team that was a ton of fun, the first United Gate champions, and they ran through Doi and Ricochet, that legendary match in Philadelphia, Shima and Dragon Kid in New York City, Shima and Doi in Atlanta, and then Tozawa and Yamato later on in Massachusetts defending that title. And then they would morph into Junction 3 there, and Yoshino and Pac would lose the belts. But that World world 1 run specifically got over in Dragon at USA. Really some high points of that promotion as
1: well and it should go we should not forget the fact that we talked about assistants earlier two of the assistants in world one were matt jackson and nick jackson they were assistants as the young bucks case you remember who the third international assistant was
0: Hmm. okay no i don't uh but no i i actually i well is it mark haskins
1: that's right mark Haskins.
0: okay there we go see i would have gotten haskins before i got the bucks i completely forgot they were at all affiliated with world one
1: it was very loosely like the bucks were mainly out there like during the main events on at ringside that's usually what the assistants really were there for like they would team with them on the cards occasionally but really they were seconding them for the most part
0: yeah that's uh that's fascinating i really wish we would have gotten more bucks and drangate but i digress
1: all right taz what's your number three
0: <laughs> Thank you for calling me Taz. that's very—I I, take that as an immense compliment. Now, my number three, third best Dragon System unit of all time, a unit that really changed everything, as far as I'm concerned, that would be Blood Generation.
1: Okay, Blood Generation was a oh, was not on my list. They were number eleven.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, I, I okay. Let me let me talk to you about Blood Generation for a second, Mike Spears. Thank you for coming to my Please TED do. talk uh January 14th 2005 is one of my favorite drangate shows of all time and it will be until either the promotion folds or I die and given my stress levels and eating habits I will die before this promotion goes under so any day now January 14th 2005 show begins uh the classic black mat brought back into the fold uh here still using the black drangate canvas which was so rarely seen after this and you have a show that is headlined at this point by Milano versus Rio Saito and what's going to be this, you know, four year conclusion of everything they had been doing since the T2P days. And instead of what you get is this opening match, Dragon Kid and Magnum Tokyo versus Masaki Mochizuki and Naruki Doi. And it ends in a no contest because Doi turns on Mochizuki and then begins to wreck shit and Shima, and Don Fuji, and Shingo are with him They take out Dragon Kid, and they take out Magnum Tokyo, and all of a sudden, Blood Generation is here. In the tone of this show, throughout everything else, and this is not a loaded show, the next match was Daniel Mishima and Michael Iwasa against Kenichiro Ryan, a handicap match, and then after that, it was Akira Hokuto versus Stalker Chikawa. There wasn't a ton to sink your teeth into on this card, but Blood Generation really almost put this sense of Danger into the air, like what is going to happen next? Because it was Shima, it was Fuji, it was Shingo, and now it was naruki Doi. And they they were uh, obsessed with working out. They loved fitness. They loved their hair. They loved their bodies. And they had a rule at this point: no masked wrestlers, which is a really fun thing for a heel unit to have, where they said no masked wrestlers are allowed in this unit. Which made Super Shisa an immediate target for these guys because shisa was their boy and waka waka fuji land like they were cool up until everybody decided to turn heel and blood generation then turned this promotion on its head i think the first six months of blood generation is probably as good as it gets for any unit ever you have multi-man matches you have shima and saito which is like a year-long feud in dragon gate that not a lot of people talk about but they spent 2005 giving Ryo Saito big, notable televised TV wins over Shima. And it, it worked to some extent, because by the end of the year, Saito feels like he's over to an incredible extent. Around June, Magnitude Kishiwada comes in, which is great, but it's also a masked wrestler. And they, the fact that they like threw that part of the Blood Generation story away still kind of bothers me. It's just like, kind of lazy storytelling from what I would expect from Dragon Gate. Kishiwada comes in. I'm a fan of them i think he's great it does change the tone of the unit a little bit Mm -hmm. and i think from there everything that blood generation does for the next year and a half is good but not great 2006 is you know full-on american influence uh the borders are open we want all of these wrestlers to come into the promotion a lot of them whether they be matt seidel roderick strong jack evans they end up somehow affiliated with blood generation and that's good those are all good wrestlers, but again, it wasn't the original feel that this unit had. Of course, of course, Kobe World 2006, headlined by Shima versus Magnitude Kishiwada in a no-ropes match that was later dubbed, and I, I just heard Jay say this on an old podcast I was listening to, uh, the Shima Masturbation Festival in Kobe. And yeah. this is really peak Shima ego, and it, it brings things down. It's a bummer because this is a unit that ends up just really petering out they, they don't have a disband match they don't have any real big conclusion they actually just wrestled final m2k and then both of the units said okay we're done we'll see you guys next month and then things just uh, reshuffled from there and it's a real bummer because again the first six months but i'll even give it the first year an unbelievable unit
1: yeah and it's the thing that like gamma just kind of brought the unit down to a slog. And you had all the the stuff there because it all really became, then it became about like Shima and Gamma not getting along. And it just really kind of like did this. And then Muscle Outlaws came out. Muscle Outlaws was another unit that was a honorable mention for me. Just like, it was just one of those things that, you know, we did 10. We didn't do 15. If we did 15, then Blood Generation and Muscle Outlaws would have been on this list for me. But it's an interesting unit. And Waku Waku Fuji Land is one of those like fun things that like you could tell... And this is something that, like, you know how I'm against gatekeeping and all that, and it's like over all this. You can tell if someone is like an old school Tori Dragon Gate fan if they, as soon as you bring up Waku Waku Fuji Land, they know immediately what you're talking about. They know about Shisa. so they know that Soccer Takawa was a member of Waku Waku Fuji Land. Of course. What an insane proto unit.
0: Yeah, no, uh, a bizarre time period in the promotion. Very much rem- just, it's like good implication of like, oh, this was Dragon Gate in 2004 we had some stuff to figure out
1: yeah no i mean very indicative i mean 2004 like that would have been a fun conversation and, and a fun like alternate history because we talked about it before like what would have happened if they started in february of 2005 instead of uh J- july right after kobe world like you you'd, you'd lose a Daiba, you would lose like the monthly pay-per-views but with the promotion and you, everyone who worked their way out would have been a lot more of a well, what if we what if We've lost six months of angst or we still would have had to have some growing pains is what I want.
0: Well, yeah, because you got to wonder at that point, can things be smoothed over with Milano? Can things be smoothed over with Agon Isu? What's Magnum going to do? Is Magnum going to piss somebody off in that time off? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm very glad things worked out. Well, the we way know the answer did, to but... that third one. <laughs> yes. That third one, we know the
1: answer. <laughs> For sure. For sure.
0: So Am my give number your, two. Uh, yeah, yeah. Give me your number two.
1: My number two unit. And for me, Crazy Max is special because it is the granddaddy of Dragon System units. But when you talk about heal units case, what is the first one that really comes to your mind in Dragon System history?
0: Well, for me, it would be Blood Generation, but I think the answer you're looking for
1: is M2K. That's right. M2K, Mochizuki, Mochizuki, and Kanda are my number two unit. And I'm only talking about original M2K. It's one of those things that, you know, it had so many permutations because of how powerful m2k was like there's a reason why like they had shin n m2k and why they had final m2k it was because m2k was that important m2k was like that powerful and the, the whole aesthetic with Masaki mochizuki and susumu mochizuki who we all now know susumi Yokosuka and zushi kanda uh susumu and kanda were already a tag team in that second class of dragon system guys they won the yamaha cup where they won scooters which you know that's that was very funny electric scooters because the M2K entrance is one of those things that I was so glad that it happened on the reunion show and that there was the live Gaora feed so you could see it with the original theme song there. They all come out on the Razor Scooters. The only people who have ever made Razor Scooters look like badasses. They come out in their Sukiyan jackets. They come out with with their sunglasses on. And it's just was like absolute badasses. Baddest of the bad. Uh, the double ring out committee. When Darkness Dragon comes and joins the unit and when Ginky turns heel that was just like those five guys in the unit just completely completed, and it had my favorite two of my favorite matches in Dragon System history come out. The first one being uh, the mascara contra mascara, uh, darkness dragon versus dragon kid. What's the other one? Oh, the other one. I really like the hair versus hair match. I really do. The 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 uh, Shima
0: Mochi one from two thousand one. Yes. Wow, okay, yeah, That's you're you're very high on that. I, I like that match, but uh, uh, not as much. I, I don't have a ton to add here. M2K was my number nine. I am obviously not counting Final M2K, Shin M2K, any of that nonsense. I am counting, though, the 2013 revival when they did Kness, Susumu, and Mochi versus Doi Swan and Sachi Hoko Boy and Cork and Hall, because that match mm-hmm. fucking kicks ass. I love that match so much, and I am counting that as original M2K canon. Uh, they're 2001, is unreal shima versus mochi uh i think you get the mochi versus susumu match that might be early 2002 but i'm gonna count it here for the the sake of proving my argument right you get the yeah. first real great uh nine man three-way tags in 2001 as well and m2k is a giant part of those that they will be referenced on the final dragon gate show they are integral to the promotion and it's great to see uh, whereas Crazy Max has not been erased from history, but for obvious reasons, it's really hard to celebrate the legacy of Crazy Max now. M2K lives on and it's great to see.
1: Yeah. And we talked a little bit about Kness and his shape. I hope that before he goes, we get to have at least one more like Darkness Dragon match. Like, I'm still mad we didn't have like the, uh, we didn't have an All Dragons match when we had the Opportunity 2 case, you know, getting Ultimo, uh, Dragon Kid, and Dragon Die on one side. Then you have Darkness Dragon. Then you could have. Uh, uh Die Inferno. I don't know who the third dragon would be in that case there. I, I guess Problem Dragon. You put Problem Dragon there and just have a dragon match. I feel like that. Or Bukutomo Dragon. We, we'll, we'll put Shimizu back under the mask for that match.
0: Yeah, we had that weird. uh It was Doi Yoshino and Yamato. And I, I had to look this up just to figure out the exact participants here. But it was Doi Yoshino and Yamato versus Darkness Dragon, Dragon Kid, and Ultimo. That was in September of 2019. That ended in a no contest. And I can't imagine what a bullshit finish they did there. Why Darkness oh, and couldn't take the pin. Yeah, God. Uh, man, see, I had every right to be concerned in 2019. <laughs> I, was no, I was, oh my God, I was so nervous about the fate of this promotion at this time period. Uh, everything worked out. It's okay. But I, w- I would like to see them load up on one more dragon match uh, with all of the family dragons involved before Kness calls it quits.
1: Absolutely. So that was my number two. Who is your number two unit?
0: My number two unit, one that uh, you referenced just a minute ago, Crazy Max, fitting that we talk about M2K and Crazy Max at the same time. Look, Crazy Max is as legendary as it gets. They made the careers of Shima, Fuji, and Sua. Whether he wants to admit it or not, Sua would not be where he is without Crazy Max. Um, uh, You know, God, they they are this promotion for the first five years. From 99 to 2004, it, it is a vehicle for Crazy Max. And at times, that was a burden. At times, it was a little too much, a little too much Shima in control and power. But my God, when they were on, uh, there's just nothing like it.
1: Yeah. And uh, it's just one of those things that you like look at Crazy Max. And like the big story about Crazy Max, like I had my big thing about you need to have five mem- members. Crazy Max always tried to have five members in the unit. It just never worked out until Shingo Takagi came for the last three months. Like the members that were in Crazy Max that were rejected before the end, well, well, Yoon stayed for a while, but Yoon was mainly injured. But you had Taro Sito, soccer had over a year in Crazy Max. Makoto, better known as Kness, Chocobal Kobe were members of it. And, I mean, it was so important that they, even when Crazy Max existed, and even the thing, they launched cra- many Crazy Max and Mon X. Like, it's just one of those things, like, this is the fabric. The fabric of the promotion and, and of the System history starts with Crazy Max. Like, it starts in Mexico with it.
0: It's a real bummer that really, other than the uh, they did like a mini revival in two thousand six that was Shima Fuji and Shingo in a in a trios match. They booked them as Crazy Max. There's been no real legacy of anything they've done since they broke up in two thousand four. You know, they obviously couldn't get Shima. They obviously couldn't get Sua for the stuff during the twentieth anniversary celebration. So we don't really have this you know, long-standing Crazy Max lineage to go off of. And I think that's a bummer, because as we've seen, as I just talked about with M2K, it's really nice that at times you'll see them pop up and be referenced and be celebrated. And unfortunately, the same can't be said for Crazy Max.
1: Well, I mean, Taru shows up, and when Taru has an open mic, all kinds of things happen. I don't I don't want to celebrate the Taru aspects of Crazy Max.
0: <laughs> that's, not, that's not what I'm here for, Mike.
1: I mean... It, 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 it was funny though like, like going like oh we can't really translate all this promo
0: <laughs> ah. so uh Ma- mike do me a favor recap your
1: 2 through 10 please all right so my number 10 was Tazao juku my number 9 was junction 3 my number 8 was blood warriors my number 7 was monster express my number 6 was italian connection my number 5 was mad blanky my number 4 is crazy max number 3 was world one and my number 2 was in 2k is your number one the Jimmies? That's all right. It is wow. the Jimmies.
0: Please, Mike. Uh well, actually it's your number one. Let let me let me go first. Let yeah, me let me prep yeah, the yeah. runway for you here. Uh for me, the Jimmies, I I feel like I'm always lower on them than everybody else, but they were still my number 6. I still love them to death. They gave us King of Gate 2012 and Genki Susumu and Kagatora tag team matches from the Foundation of the Unit through what they did with the Millennials and beyond. Uh Sumo Fuji another real highlight of the jimmies Uh, they're the best i mean they in a way you know italian connection like i said earlier they represented the embodiment of the dragon system with these young hot men doing all this crazy offense the jimmies felt like a family like a like a more encapsulated version of the overall vibe of the promotion the overall like almost co-op that dragon gate is the jimmies were just a smaller version of that and i do love that
1: Yeah, and to build upon your uh, Italian connection to Jimmy's thing, whereas these were, whereas the Italian connection were the the hot young guys doing awesome moves. Jimmy's were, you know, like these were your dads. They were a bunch of dads out there. They were always were having a good time. And the thing that gets me, and the reason why I put them number one is like I was never Jimmy's guy. I was never someone that like whenever Jimmy's were around, there was always was another unit that pulled towards me. Monster Express especially pulled towards me because of Kirishima. I loved Matt Blanky, like just like this this whole time period. Like I had my preferences, but Jimmy's every night. I mean, all six of them. Like throughout the time, like they were having like these incredible matches. Susumu being able to get one up on Shingo Takagi and and defeating Mr. Selfish. So like this is like, well, like I know like WWE. The idea is like we create stories. We're telling. We have moments here, almost like the last decade at least for whenever the jimmy's were around for like the long time jimmy's our longest tenured unit not named crazy max whenever like the jimmy's there's so many just moments there like Rio Saito. you know like he comes back and decides that he is a uh, middle school principal like that was a part of the jimmy see like they let him do his own thing there and the combat jimmy's uh tiny turn after the end of Matt blankie and into berserk huge moment there and you know it's one of those things that with how the unit ended and the fact that it was so beloved that they were like, okay, we're over, but we're gonna have one last match, one last Jimmy train. It was just like such like a fundamental thing that like when I look at this promotion, when I would look at like what a unit should be like this is a unit that really like we talked about number ones, number twos. There was no number one in this unit. There was no like real leader here. You have Susumu, he's number two. Ginky, number two at best. Uh Ryo Saito, tried him as number one. Then they said no. You had like all these guys that come together. They were more than their parts. They're like a perfect encapsulation of like a team to me. And more so than anyone else, any other unit, like no other unit, like felt like so much like a cohesive group to me as the Jimmys did. So that's why I had to have them as number one.
0: Let me remind the listeners of my list before we get to my number one, a unit that Mike Spears did not have in his top 10, uh, which I find to be a very interesting development. My number 10 was Monster Express, Number nine, M2K. Number eight, Mad Blanky. Number seven was the Italian Collection, led by Milano Collection AT. Number six was, uh, for Mike Spears' number one unit, that was the Jimmys. And my top five was Blood Warriors, World One, Blood Generation, Crazy Max. And Mike, would you like to take a guess as to what my number one is? Berserk. Son of a bitch. Yep. Uh, my number one. <laughs> my number one. Uh, Sorry. Is, is for I It's, I, I, it's a hot take. And of course I would like our listeners uh, if they've made it this far on the show and, and fingers crossed they have please at open voice gate. I don't need a top 10. Give me your top three. Give me your top one. I would love to know what people think the best unit of all time. in Drangate is for me. there is something about berserk from their formation and we'll call it August of 2015 through Kobe World 2016 that is just perfect. Shingo, Yamato, Doi, Kotoka, Tanazaki, Cyberkong. That unit was perfect. Now, once you get past World 2016, it becomes a little murky. You get Brother Yashi in there. You get T-Hawk in there. You get L. Lindemann, who... I, I always just felt like he was miscast there. There's something about L. Lindemann... I don't know if you feel this way, Mike. Whenever I see him with face paint on, I lose interest.
1: I mean, he's the boy prince. He shouldn't be mean.
0: No, or he was like, I, I don't know. I always had issues with the way he was presented to Verzerk. He was presented like demonic. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, no, I kind of just want him to be like... uh like an add kid named cody it just like tormenting these people through annoyance <laughs> but instead he was he was kind of like demonic and i just never that character was never super over with me even though they you know they did fun stuff with him they did the the uh, who could forget the open the Bravegate uh Bravegate contra cape match with l Lindeman and Ata where if Lindeman won, Ata would have to lose his entrance cape. Eita, uh retained the title there and was able to keep his cape at, as well. But Which,
1: to be fair, if anyone's cape in that unit should have been destroyed, it should have been Eita's.
0: notice Noticeably absent from our top 10s over generation, a unit that continues <laughs> to get funnier by the day. Uh, with, with, that was like the thing. I, I obviously did not want Kaito Ishida to leave Dragon Gate, but if he would have shown up, I guess, and you know, I I I'm not I'm not saying it's happening. I don't think it is. But if he shows up on the July first Great Show, uh, which was the the leading rumor in Japan was oh that's he's going to be X because they've got an announced X on that show. Um, oh my God, the over generation material we could have done on this show just the funniest fucking unit of all time, uh, and it only continues to get funnier as time goes on. But oh God. <laughs> uh, yeah, Berserk, you know, I I just think like man, that was Kotoka's peak. That was Shingo's peak. That was Yamadoi at their peak. There's a bunch of fun Naoki Tanazaki stuff, and he's a wrestler that I still, whenever he makes tape, I try to track that down because I think he can still go. And, you know, I, I, it seems like he's living a pretty happy life. He seems like a really enjoyable guy on Twitter. I wish he was back in Drangate. I don't see that happening, though. But, my God, I, just peak berserk is like nothing else I've ever seen and it's especially funny because if i was going to rank all of the units in the history of drangate i think number 1 would be resurk and the last place unit would be what followed an antios
1: yeah and i, I guess for me like resurk was my last gut like blood generation resurk uh muscle outlaws and a new hazard were my uh were my honorable mentions uh like everything you said is absolutely true for me it just got to the point where like you had like all the shingo takagi versus ryo saito stuff the antios thing kind of just bled berserk bled into antios so the end of berserk to me very much is like and like i lump those two together in a way and i know it's not necessarily fair but that's just how my brain operates in a way i'm just built different but uh it's something where like yeah no like the end of 2015 into 2016 with like zerk I mean like we, we watched that three-way disband's match with Rich a few weeks ago like just like the unit was something Katoka was just like Kotoka is just like it, it it's really a shame that they like, they try to run back in a way Elendemen is Katoka cuz Katoka was so good at that role and yeah so, something that
0: I was something that I was deeply opposed to when it happened was Kotoka beating Tozawa for the Brave Gate belt And then it just led into, you know, it it really took me a long time to come around on Kotoka, much more than it took me to come around on UT, because I've always I've always wanted to believe in UT, but he just shattered my hopes so many times early on in his career that it never happened. Kotoka was a guy. It's like, nah, I I don't want any part of this. I'm not interested. I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want this. And he really bled his way into my heart. Uh, B-L-E-H, apostrophe D there. Uh, His gimmick became so, so entertaining that I just couldn't ignore it anymore. And I just think back to that Shingo Dreamgate run. Just the buzz and the excitement at that time of, okay, he gets through Yoshino. Okay, he's going to wrestle Don Fuji. That Fuji match is amazing. Okay, now he's wrestling Mochizuki in what I think is one of the best matches of all time. We'll pretend the Gamma match never happened. I wanted it to be good. It wasn't. The Shima match, uh, he loses the belt to Susumu, and then wins the belt back from Susumu. And then has, of course, the Yamato match at Kobe World that year. And it's just... It, I, it's just, there's nothing else like it. Again, there's there's a reason they're my number one right now. I could certainly uh, listen to arguments. I think your Jimmy's case is very strong. Crazy Max, M2K, uh, even, I, you know, I would hear an argument for the original World 1 as the best unit of all time. I'm not sure I'm there, but I would certainly hear an argument for it. But to me, at their absolute apex, there has been no one better than Verserk.
1: Yeah, I think that's a completely fair argument i i totally see your point like at peak i mean the the whole image of Zerk with all the titles starting 2016 with shingo using uh punch as a stool but it just like bathed in gold was just such like a powerful moment them just like running shop there just was something about uh I, i gave my reasons but i think that's entirely justified uh who were your honorable mentions so
0: uh, I I'll give you a few here of honorable mentions. Do Fixer, who I, I thought you might yeah. have, uh, I they just missed the cut for me. Junction Three, like we talked about earlier, the Millennials, and I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I'm not sure where exactly they would fall, but if I was going to do a top fifteen of all time, I think Red would be in my top fifteen.
1: I could entertain that. I mean, I feel like that they would be ladder third. Like they'd be eleven to fifteen. Yeah, but, yeah. I...
0: but if if we count them, if we count their existence as starting with the Cosmo Sakamoto debut, a month later you get Pac. You spend that whole year with Pac, which look, I, you know, I did not like the Ata versus Dragon Kid stuff. I did not like RED versus Altimo, concluding with Ata versus Ultimo. But there was a lot of other stuff that I liked. And into 2020 and beyond, I've been a big fan of everything they've done. I think they have to get credit for H versus Doya Memorial Gate. I think they have to get credit, obviously, for the unit disbands match last year. They have a sneaky great legacy. It's been a very frustrating uh, a time for them. There are times where I love them. There are times where I hate them. But I would put them over a heel unit like Muscle Outlaws. I think their existence right now, I think they've been stronger than them. And it, it's... Uh, Something that I will continue to look at, this list will continue to evolve, but I, I really think RED has etched themselves into the upper echelon of Dragon System units.
1: So, so let's play with that for one second. I know we're getting puriously close to our three territory here, but just just closing out, you say RED is someone that you could project out to be in a top 15, maybe moving into a top 10. Taking a look at like the current, the current units, of course, Natural Vibes is, is a weird one to kind of discuss high-end is too new and masquerade is just you know we're only now seeing full masquerade is this like the only unit that you think can kind of like you could project out because the only other one i could think of is like you can start talking about natural vibes now
0: yeah i think vibes is the closest behind red we have a lot i think there's a lot that's un unknown with natural vibes what what is kz going to do at world what is Kame's role going to look like in this unit going forward what is ut going to be able to do as a member of natural vibes how how longer susumu and horiguchi going to be able to hold up they certainly have the makings of if this is you know a six-man combination that is existing for another three years and KZ is the Dreamgate champion and you have Susumu UT and Kame revitalizing the twin or the triangle gate division. It wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, there's just, we, we haven't seen enough of them and I don't know what to do with that yet, but they would certainly be close there. Uh, Masquerade I think has been a tremendous success. I look at them almost in like, I don't, this is going to sound like a dig at them, and it's not, but like I'm a big fan of dial Hearts, which was that BB Hulk led unit. It was Hulk, Mochizuki, Shimizu, KZ, and Dragon Kid. A blip on the radar historically, but a unit that in the moment was a ton of fun to watch. They constantly had good output. There were no real holes in their game. I look at Masquerade as a similar vibe where, you know, again, Hulk was the Dreamgate champion. When Dia Hearts was in existence, Skywalker's the Dreamgate champion now. Did they feel like the biggest thing in the promotion at any point? No, they did not. Were they consistently entertaining? Absolutely, they were.
1: No, that, that, that's an interesting cop. It's something I haven't really thought about with Masquerade so far. Yeah, you know? and it's interesting because you have two Dias we're talking about there. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, look, I, I love Die Hearts. I was sad to see them go. I thought that unit was a ton of fun. That was a unit that I know was specifically very over with me. They didn't necessarily, like, you know, nobody is going to do the Die Hearts retrospective podcast in a few years going, man, that big R Shimizu. Oh, man, who could forget what he did, you know, with this tag match or whatever. But for me, watching at the time, I was like, God, every match these guys have is really fun. And I think the same thing can be said about Masquerade now.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how these units kind of forecast out. I think that Masquerade has probably the more intriguing one. I think that high end we kind of see how that's going to go probably as a Super Face unit. But it's an interesting time, and I'm glad that we chose to kind of take a look back towards this. And you know, it's nice to remember some some units, nice to remember some guys.
0: Oh, hey, there's nothing I love more than talking to Mike Spears and remembering some guys.
1: Yeah, uh, I was looking at a wiki while we were while we were wrapping up there because you brought up you you brought X a, a little bit ago and I was like, okay, who are all in the third class? And it was something that like I forgot that Rase was a member of Toriumon X.
0: This Mike, this is a different podcast. I I promise we're going to get to this one day. We can't go to the Wikipedia of Toriumon X, or we're going to be here for a very long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, for, for the sake of our bandwidth, I think we should probably call it here. Anything else you wanted to touch on before we get out of here this week?
0: Oh no, just plug our stuff, Mike.
1: All right, you can follow us on Twitter at Open VoiceGate. I'm at Fuji Heyo with two eyes like Don Fuji. Cases at underscore in your case. If you'd like to support the show, please use promo code OTVG at Manscaped.com. That'll get you 20 percent off and free shipping. But that's gonna do it for case. I'm Mike. Thanks for listening to Open VoiceGate. We'll catch you next week. Take care.